I always appreciate the ministry of the choir. Some mornings, their song is uh, takes on a special meaning and appreciation in my heart. And to, today is one of those times to bow the knee before Him. And we are living in a world, and we are living in a, an age of the church when people are so self-centered. We don't want to battle need anybody. We don't want to yield to anybody. I'm going to do what I want to do. And if you like it, bless your heart. If you don't, I don't really care. That's the attitude that we encounter from one another. And listen to me, dear people. That attitude is prevalent, present in the church to some degree or another. I don't want to do this. Attitude of my heart. My heart and of your heart needs to be to bow the knee before the Lord. Thank you, David. Choir. Pray with me. Father, we are a stubborn and a stiff-necked people, and that is our nature. To do ever anything other than that is solely by your grace. We depend upon you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for patience that you manifest with us every moment of every day. And I pray now in these moments the Spirit of God would speak to our hearts about something that is a hallmark of the church, should be. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before I get into the message this morning, um, I want to say too that I appreciate so very much our trustees. Um, Largely, theirs is a thankless job. As long as the heating system is working and it's warm in here in the wintertime and as long as the AC is working and it's cool in here in the summertime... Uh, They are fine. We like them just fine. But when one of of those things, or Lord forbid both of them, don't work quite right, um, they drop down a few rungs on our list of appreciation, don't they? And uh, some of you have mentioned to me, and they mentioned to me, and I look out and I see some of you fanning, and I was told this morning, Richard, the AC system's not working like it's supposed to. Well, okay. Uh, Our trustees know about it, and they have discovered one small part they think will correct all of it, but the only problem is that part's not available at 8.30 on Sunday morning. If you know where it is, we've got some trustees here, you catch them and tell them after, okay? Uh, And it may be, uh, well, they've said to me, and some of you have likewise said to me, it's going to be a little warmer in the sanctuary this morning. And it may be. And uh, we've had some difficulties this past week. And I know that uh, I have no right to ask you to believe what I'm about to tell you uh, because of my past performance, but I have tried to take the fact that it's a little warmer in here into account with the length of my message. 
I knew that. <laughs> Few things in life are certain, right? To help those who are hurting is a hallmark of a church that is following the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say that again. To help those who are hurting is a hallmark of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has equipped the church to help those who are hurting. He's done that by exhortations. He's done that by speaking of gifts that He's given to the church. And one great area of gifts that God has given to the church is referred to as spiritual gifts. Gifts given by God the Holy Spirit that are not resident in us naturally. By natural birth, we get natural gifts. I watched for a while yesterday afternoon one of my favorite baseball players in the pros. When he was born, he, he got some natural abilities and skills. When we are born spiritually, we get spiritual gifts and abilities and skills. Natural abilities are different than spiritual abilities. Natural gifts, abilities come through natural birth. Spiritual gifts come through spiritual birth. Please make that distinction in your mind. And the Apostle Paul speaks in four particular passages about spiritual gifts. I have given some consideration to, in the fall, uh, doing a series on spiritual gifts. About 23, 24 years ago, I did a series on spiritual gifts. I'm thinking about doing it again. Spiritual gifts to enable Christian people to do His work. We also have natural abilities and gifts which God also has given to us. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4 are passages which deal with spiritual gifts. I'm not going to deal with all of them. I only want to read a couple of passages this morning that deal with it because I'm, I'm suggesting to you to help those who are hurting is a hallmark of the church. And God has equipped us to help the hurting. Take your Bible and turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to ask you, I trust you bring your Bible to church. Um, this is church. I am right about that, aren't I? The book of the church is God's Word. It's the Bible. You got your Bible with you? I hope that you do. If you don't, uh, if you've gotten out of the house and, and didn't pick up yours this morning for whatever the reason might be, there is a pew Bible, and I trust that you will avail yourself of that as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, at this point in my remarks this morning, I'm only going to read a couple of passages uh, that have to do with spiritual gifts, but they are equipping for service. And service is the ultimate goal of my message this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. And then I'm not going to read all that. Drop down to verse 7. But to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God, through the Apostle Paul, says, I have given to every child of God a manifestation, a gift of the Spirit of God. Why? For the purpose of the common good. 
If you know what your spiritual gift is and you exercise your spiritual gift, God bless you. If you do not, I hope that you will do some reading and some work along that line. But if you know what your spiritual gift is, we do not exercise our spiritual gift. And everybody's got at least one. Everybody has at least one. That's what the Bible says. If you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. To each one, verse 7, is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You've got a gift from God that is for the common good. Turn with me, please, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Some of these things are listed for us. Let me just select a couple of verses here. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body, all members do not have the same function. Drop down to verse 6. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, did you notice though he said we have gifts? We do. Differ according to the grace given to us. Let each exercise them accordingly. And then he goes through this list. Uh, if someone has a gift of prophecy, uh, to use that in proportion to the gift of faith. If your gift is service, then use that gift in serving. If you have the gift of teaching, you teach. If you have the gift of exhortation, verse 8, in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, uh, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. We have a gift. Each one has at least one gift. It's for the good of the body. It's not for our own self to be used selfishly. It's for the good of the body. That's why God gives gifts. That's why God equips the church. God never equipped the church to be a a bunch of individual lone rangers running out here doing their gift for their own good and their own aggrandizement. If God gave you a gift to teach, and many of you have that gift, but God gave you that gift not for your own aggrandizement. He gave you that gift to build up the church. And that's true of all of these gifts that God gives to individual Christians. It's for the building up of the church. It's for the good of the church. Turn with me please to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And he again takes up the subject. He doesn't mention it in quite the same terms, but he's talking about spiritual gifts here. Verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. God helps. I, I, I just can't. I got to stop there. Okay? Look at it. Look at your Bible. Keep fervent love. Keep fervent your love one for another. The church is a body of people that's supposed to love one another. Let me ask you something. You aggravated with somebody this morning? Now, you, you can tell me, uh-uh, no, no, no. But God knows... God knows my heart and He knows your heart. Hmm. 
You love the saints this morning? I've never known what it meant. What it meant. And I've never sat down and asked my wife. But my father-in-law, God bless his soul, he was a wonderful man and I loved him dearly. But he had an expression that I, have, I never understood. And sometimes I would say to him, Leo, what in the world do you mean by that? And he'd just laugh. But he'd say, somebody, and he'd mention a name, Joe just aggravates the hound out of me. What? I knew he was aggravated, but I, I didn't know the meaning of that expression. But let me ask you something. Are you aggravated with somebody this morning? Are you just mad with somebody? The church is supposed to be a place where people love one another. And may I say to you, in no uncertain terms, I find no qualifications to that whatsoever. There's no codicil to that. 1 Peter 4, 8 again. Above all, keep fervent in your love one for another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. In other words, don't do something good for somebody just murmuring over, I hate to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Personally, I think the reward's gone for anything like that. As each has received a special gift. Do you see that verse 10 again? He reiterates the same truth. The Bible reiterates, reiterates the same truth that we have mentioned before. Every individual Christian has a gift. As each one has received a special gift, employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. My point in looking at these gifts, and they are spiritual gifts, that's a particular category of gifts, but God has also given to us natural abilities. And I believe God intends that all of them, and especially without fail, the spiritual gifts, be used in the church for the good of the church. The ministry, in large measure, is helping those who are hurting. There's one other passage that I'd like to direct our attention to, and I'm going to camp on that for just a couple of moments. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Excuse me, I said Ephesians, didn't I? Galatians 6, 1. I beg your pardon. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Galatians 6, verse 1. Look at it with me. Brethren, even if a man is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you be tempted. To help those who are hurting is a hallmark of a church that is following the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has equipped the church to help those who are hurting. There's a great list of spiritual gifts, but there are other gifts that are mentioned in the Bible as well. And not only are there gifts, but we are instructed to help others. That's, what it's, that's why I put 6-1 along with the other passages that I read this morning. You who are a spirit, restore such an one in a spirit of gentleness. We are called on to help those who are hurting. It is a ministry. The apostle refers to it in chapter 6, verse 1. 
It is a ministry of restoration. And I want us to think about this restoring the saints of God in the broadest possible terms. Back in 1 Corinthians, the apostle spoke about uh, against uh, using these gifts for the benefit of the body. He spoke about that against a background of, uh, of division and doctrinal problems. You remember some of the problems that they had in Corinth. Uh, lawsuits. Um, immorality. And the, the list goes on. You remember something? Well, Paul spoke against that backdrop about gifts of the Spirit to help the whole body of the church. The Apostle Paul in, in 6.1 of Galatians also speaks about a matter of doctrinal deviation. Um, false teachers had come into the church. And Paul was doing his best to correct that situation and teaching the church how to deal with it. I'm suggesting very clearly, and this will be the third or fourth time I've repeated it by design, God has equipped and God has called the church to a ministry of helping and restoring others. Dear people, uh, I, I don't know how else to say this, but this is where... To use uh, an expression of uh, Dr. McGee, this is where the rubber meets the road, folks. Okay? This is not ethereal pie in the sky and a sweet by and by. This is in Fuqua Verena today. It's in the church today. It's in Wake Chapel Christian Church today. God has equipped and called the church, the body of Christ that meets at 905 Wake Chapel Road to help its members. Look at this verse in 6.1 of Galatians. It begins with the word brethren. That's why I can say this is a church matter. Brethren. And I am couching the next phrase in the largest possible context, even if man's caught in trespass. Any problem, we can help the brothers and sisters in Christ. Help. Help what? Well, let me take one other thing first. He says, you who are spiritual. Now, this is not a select group of people who are like, you know, an army that wears a uniform that says, I am spiritual. What does it mean when he says, you who are spiritual? I want to suggest two things, and there are more, but I'm taking two and two on it right now. Number one, it means people who are walking by means of the Spirit of God. Are you following the leading of the Lord Jesus in your life? That's what this is about. When the Spirit of God prompts us, are we obedient to Him? That's what this is all about. You are spiritual. And then do what? Restore. Restore. To me, that's one of the most interesting words in the Bible. Restore. Let me give you a couple of meanings. It's used of reconciling two opposing individuals or groups of people. That's what Paul was doing in in, in Corinthians. They were having troubles there. He was restoring two different factions. 
reconciling opposing individuals. It's used of setting bones that are broken. Word has a broad usage. It's also used of nets that are torn. Now, that won't come as a surprise to you, knowing about the New Testament and, 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 and the, the fishermen that were part of the New Testament. Restore meant mending the nets, putting things back together, to put in place, to return to its former condition. That's what restore means, to put it back in its former condition, to restore. Martin Luther, I think, caught the flavor of this, and, and um, I try to be careful about getting uh, quotes that are old, sometimes like Luther's, but uh, it just seemed to me this one was so good. Martin Luther said, When a brother or sister is hurting, run to him or her, reaching out your hand, comfort him or her with sweet words, and embrace him with motherly arms. I like that. Run, with, run toward them, reaching out a hand. And comfort that individual with sweet words. And embrace that individual with motherly arm. Luther said that's what restoration is about. I think he was right. And would you observe how the apostle in Galatians 6.1 says that's to be done. You know, I made a ton of mistakes with my kids when they were growing up. I was particularly harsh uh, with my son. Uh, What I did with respect to attempting to restore him was particularly hard, harsh. There was no room for back and forth. It was, this is it. This is the only thing. Get it done. Very harsh, as I've thought back over over the years as he grew up, particularly in his teen years. Not Christ-like. Not restoring in a, a, a way that the Apostle Paul writes about it. Restore how? In a spirit of gentleness. You know, it's easy to find somebody who's hurting. It's easy to find somebody who's in a difficult situation and be hard on them. Well, you made your mess. Now, you know, you live with it. Where's the gentleness in that? Have you ever had a broken bone? A number of years ago, uh, I, I've never been much of a person that was able to work in a garage. Um, but uh, on one occasion, I broke a little finger on my right hand. Well, it was 8.30 at night. Where are you going to find a doctor then? Well, the only place is the ER. I went to the ER. And uh, it just so happened that there was not anybody there that could do what the doctor said needed to be done. He did an x-ray and looked at my hand, and then he said, uh, Pastor, he said, uh, you're going to need three steel pins put in between these two fingers. And I said, whoopee. Three steel pins, and you're going to put them in right there? what needs to be done. And here's the surgeon you need to see in the morning. 
We'll fix it so it won't hurt you too much tonight, but see him in the morning. If I could have left town, I would have. I mean, I don't know about you, but you start sticking steel pins in my hand between two fingers, uh-uh. But I went because I knew I had to. And I don't even remember that doctor's name, but I do remember this. He looked at my hand. He never grabbed my finger and jerked it. He never grabbed my finger and twisted it. Says, you're going to be okay tomorrow. He was enormously gentle. The only time I couldn't look at what he was doing was when he took those steel pins and started doing this right here. I couldn't look at that. It's not that I felt that he had it numbed up. Just enormously gentle. And when we are involved in this ministry of restoration, we're supposed to do it gently. Not with harsh words. Look at it again. Restore. Put back as it was in a spirit of gentleness. That is the attitude of a restorer. It is done by people in the church to help other people. Dear people, I don't have to tell you. I started on this list and and then I stopped. But, you know, ours is a broken world. It really needs no annotation, but I think about Munich. I think about Paris. I think about Syria. I think about Orlando. I think about Dallas. I think about Baton Rouge, Minnesota, Kansas, and the list goes on. But listen to me. We don't have to look that far. Why? Because brokenness is close by. Brokenness is close by. May I ask you, what about that young divorcee that you know whose life is so fragmented that it resembles a a jigsaw puzzle? She needs somebody to come alongside of her and gently help her to mend the brokenness as part of her life. And hear me, it doesn't make any difference whose fault it is. Okay? Have we come to a place in Christian experience that we say, I'll help you if you didn't cause your problem? What help is that? Truth be told, most of us, and I'm looking at you in the face and you're looking at me in the face, most of us cause our own problems. Most of us do that. Did God give His church gifts and call us to help only those who are 100% innocent? I don't think so. I don't think so. What about that widow or widower who lives next door? Her family can't very well get to her because they're well advanced in years. 
but she lives next door to you. What about that friend who can't drive himself or herself to the doctor? To comfort people who are hurting is the hallmark of a real church. Somebody, somebody today, not tomorrow, not next week, somebody you know today needs you to restore them. Will you be a restorer? I had finished most of my day yesterday, my puttering around in the garage and my errands to run and whatever. I had finished most of my day yesterday, and I was sitting in my chair reading. The phone rang. My wife was closer to it than I, and she answered the phone, and I could tell immediately, this is a good phone call. Her voice just brightened, and, and it was just kind of a, wow, it's great to hear you. And she, in a moment, said, you want to speak to Ross, don't you? And the voice on the other end, I said, yes. And for about the next 15 minutes, about the next 15 minutes, what I heard was a litany of praise like I have seldom heard. You know why? Because some folks at this church had helped the voice that was on the end of the line. They were giving glory to God and asking me to express gratitude. About 15 minutes. Wake Chapel had served as a restorer A number of people, not just one, but a number of people had served as someone to restore, to return things back to the way they were in the life of this individual. I want to say to you, and I take absolutely this much credit for it, okay? So I'm not saying it for me. No credit comes to the pastor. The credit goes to God first and to the members of this church who had served as a restorer, as a helper to this individual. I want to say I believe with all of my heart that this is a strength of Wake Chapel Church. This is not the first time this has happened. It's not the first time I've gotten a phone call like this. I believe, may I say it again, this is a strength of Wake Chapel Church. God bless you. Two words I have for you, and we're going to pray. Don't stop. Don't stop. Let's pray. Lord, we live in a a broken, hurting world. 
And there are folks in the church that we love, whom we love, that are hurting. Help us in this ministry of restoration. Thank you for giving us gifts and abilities whereby we can do these things to bring glory to you. And thank you for God the Holy Spirit prompting us to be obedient in this matter. We are your children. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. All God's people said... What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. Number 300, excuse me, number 435, we'll sing all the stanzas. If God is speaking to your heart about something this morning, do business with Him. If it is something that I can help you and encourage you with here at the front, you come here. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the message hasn't been particularly a gospel message this morning, but I want to tell you that Jesus loves you and he died on Calvary's cross for you. And you don't know anybody else that died for you. He did. And his love continues unabated. If you've never trusted Jesus, why don't you do it today? Do you really have a good reason why you won't? I don't think so. Never be a better time. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you're sure of that, then you want to link your life with Wake Chapel. We invite you to come. You do what God is speaking to your heart to do. May God bless your day. Keep you safe. I'm not Greg Fisher, but I will tell you, drink water and stay cool. (laughs) God is good to us. Be thinking about that ministry of restoration. It waits you. Tom Lowell is our deacon of the day. Tom comes to dismiss us with prayer. Please pray for our young people. Uh, they're going to Teen Valley, as we've already mentioned. Uh, you have seen a good number of them here this morning. Please pray for them, their safety, and that of those who, uh, those who will be going with them. Maggie Wilkins has just come back from how many weeks up there, girl? Seven, Seven weeks working at TVR. And we thank God for her and for her labor. And I talked with her for just a minute this morning. She didn't really want to leave. (laughs) In that she didn't want to be separated from a particular group of kids that she'd been helping and working with, staying with all these seven weeks. Thank you, girl. Tom? Good. (laughs) After Tom prays, we'll sing, God be with you till we meet again. God bless you.
I have to confess that I don't very often look at the flowers on the altar, but they caught my attention today, and I quickly went to the bulletin to see who and why. And I don't know the who, but the why was in honor of the building committee. And uh, I've been involved with the building committee for most of my life, it seems. (laughs) And hopefully, in the next week or 10 days, we're going to see some dirt and dust fly. So keep praying for us. We still have a way to go. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we've had to bow our knee before you this morning. You've heard our songs. You've heard our prayers. We've heard your word. And Lord, uh, I think all of us would pray that as we move through the doors into a world, a community that's convulsing, that you would use the gifts that you have endowed us with as your children to minister to each other, those of our congregation, the many who are hurting physically, and I'm sure some emotionally, spiritually. Lord, help us to use that gift or gifts you have given to us to minister to the needs of our community here and the community that we rub shoulders with day to day. Lord, be with our young people as they go off to camp. Lord, they're going to have fun, and they're going to be taught your word, and I pray for safety. I pray for the moving of your spirit in young lives, realizing, Lord, that they are the future of our church, of our community, of our world. Bless them, keep them safe, be with those who, who look over them. For the church in Mount Holly and for Taylor as they struggle with why, I pray, Father, that you would give them wisdom and comfort, perhaps some answers, and help them, Lord, as they look forward to rebuilding. Thank you, Lord, for the Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf. While some of us, Lord, may be losing a little of our hearing, it's hard to relate to people who hear absolutely nothing. And I pray, Father, for those who are working with these children, that you would give them a love and the ability to teach your word and to teach them things that they need to know to go out into the world and be your people, your servants. Bless that ministry, Lord. Thank you that we're able to have a part in that ministry. Now, Lord, bless us and make us, Lord, to be a blessing this week. 
we offer our prayers in the name of the Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thank you.